You said your sister-in-law killed a man and a woman here and cut them up? You said they found hands and feet, but they never found any heads. Yeesh. And we're back. What's up? What up? I have an update. Update it. I guess it's an update slash our warm up. Yeah. So to recap, those who maybe didn't just catch the episode we were talking about it on or had not seen this in the news because there's a lot of news. Um, in January, this Radford University student um, stabbed her roommate to death and then left the knife in the middle of her mouth. Yeah. In her um, mouth. Yeah. And she opened the door, covered in blood, and told authorities she killed her. Um, so she was in court this, uh, like in the last two weeks, um, waiving her rights to a preliminary hearing. So basically, she's just going to go straight to trial. Um, her, <laughs> her attorney says mental, uh, mental state is probably an issue. And it's oh. like, Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't need a genius for that. Um, so he says that there's significant evidence that she was there, um, but that she had a mental <laughs> illness the at the time. Uh, Your Honor, we did walk right past her as she invited us in to look at the body she just killed. So. Yeah, yeah. They um, have this, you know, some of that. They also said that uh, search warrants found that there were pills, grinders, and multiple smoking devices found in the girl that killed the other girl's room um, in a brown chalk-like substance in the apartment bar slash kitchen. Brown chalk-like chalk-like substance. substance. So not sure. What's up with that? But um, anyway, that's what the reports say. And I guess we'll see what happens once they get to trial. So, yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. Radford, so, Virginia. Radford, Virginia. The girl's name, um, her first name is um, Lou, Louise, Louisa. I don't know. L-U-I-S-A. Louisa. Sounds right. Uh, cutting. C-U-T-T-I-N-G. Yes. Um, so look into that if you'd like, I'll keep an eye out for updates and, uh, that's it. Cool. Anything you have? I got nothing. Just that we have episode 69. 69. 69. Kidney stones. Kidney stones. Kidney stones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so this is the tale of the Lonely Hearts Club. God, that sounds so familiar. Hmm. Like I, I was trying to. Hmm. Trying to think. Hold on. What is it again? The Tale of the Lonely Hearts Club. Fuck. I feel like it like reminds me of a movie or something, but whatever. Maybe okay. I'll think of it later. Raymond Martinez Fernandez was born in Hawaii on December 17th, 1914. His parents, uh, I couldn't find their names. It's they, they weren't really recorded anywhere. Um, all I know is that they were Spanish descent and they were proud people um, in the sense of Raymond wasn't very strong or healthy, uh, kind of a sickly kid and his parents were pretty disappointed in his quote-unquote flaws which was <laughs> but were they not like feeding him properly well they just he just was someone who was uh more 
you know, apt to have um, illnesses yeah. as a child. And he That's didn't grow asking. as quickly as, I guess, his father wanted. It's angry. Yeah. So his parents were like, kind of like, ah, what's wrong with you? Uh, we don't really oh. like this one. At what age? Uh, forever. Like, were they, but were they, <laughs> but like were they, the were like, he they was, were starting he was, to be like, what is wrong with you? Well, by, um, well, see this, okay. This, I can't really answer that. So let me okay. just say this real quick. Uh, Raymond was three when the family moved from Hawaii to Bridgeport, uh, Connecticut. And then there's a gap of 15 years where we don't know really anything about Raymond. Oh, so I would say, um, at some point before he was, a teenager this okay. is how they felt but the, all we have is reports that he wasn't a very strong or healthy like youth mm-hmm. or um not youth a young child like infant so in 1913 excuse me nope 1932 at the age of 18 raymond went back to spain again he was in connecticut um he went back to spain to live and work for his uncle on the family farm Raymond was no longer the frail, unhealthy child, but was a strong, well-built, ma- uh, well-built man now with a calm and gentle demeanor. Oh, yes. So much different dude than he was before. Yeah. Um, his dad finally proud. Ish. <laughs> he, he walks in and he's all swollen. The yep. dad's hyped. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Damn. That's you're my fucking, kid. You're fucking yoked now. <laughs> this is what this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, two years later, Raymond married a local woman. This woman, I, I'm just gonna take a real big stab at her name. In, well, I'm not even gonna say it now. I can't. I don't know. What do we say? In, I gotta look at it again. I'll try. It's a okay. It's a, hang on. Let I don't know how to say it. this name. Right. I'll give it a go. There. In, Incarnacion. Yeah. Incarnacion. There. Go with that. Okay. It's a weird one. Uh, we're going to call her E. That's E. Yeah, that's E. Equals E. Equals E. So Raymond marries E, and they have four children together over a span of time. In 1939, when the Second World War started, Raymond served with the Spanish Merchant Marine before beginning service for the British government as a spy. Oh. Yes. Damn, sexy. Yes, allegedly. Because he's a spy. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, he achieved notoriety in the intelligence, uh, like gathering communities. So, you know, FBI, CIA, British and government, that kind of stuff. Like they were like, oh, we like this dude. Um, oh, yeah, we still have a window open. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, just like his childhood, we don't really know a lot about his wartime service because, again, he was a spy. For the king, was he a kingsman? Uh, yes, let's Potentially. say yes. Well, it was all alleged. Allegedly, so. he Alleged- was a kingsman. Yeah. Um, but th- there was a quote from his from a man who was only named a defense security officer, and this quote said, "Raymond was entirely loyal to the Allied cause and carried out his duties, which were sometimes difficult and dangerous, extremely well." So. Oh. Did very well in his badass spy job. Yes. So when the war ended, Raymond was 31 and he went to the United States to find work. He His plan was um, have his family stay behind. He would go get established and then send for them. 
Raymond found passage on a freighter that was headed from the Dutch West, um, Dutch West Indies. But while on board, Raymond at some point tried to come up on to deck area. How dare he? Yes. Um, and I guess I, I don't quite understand what happened, but I guess it was um, the hatch. So there was a cover you know, for the hatch. Yeah. He pushed that open and somehow it came back and hit him. The steel hatch hit him. Smacked him in the head. Directly in the top of the head. It caused an indention in his skull. Go. And it damaged shit. the frontal lobe. Up. Yeah. Wow. He had like a, a brain injury from this. Yes. I was thinking it just like bonk. No, no. He had irreversible brain damage. Holy shit. To the frontal lobe. Just trying to get up this yep just pushing this but he's pushing open. the hatch up do you think i someone believe was that's like, what it was maybe like that's the only thing i can i can assume is that he was pushing it up and it like maybe rebounded i don't quite understand how it oh happened oh my but yeah. god yeah so um the ship docked that was in december of 1945 and raymond remained in the hospital until march 1946 so a year and a half uh, a year and a couple months Oh, um, excuse me. I have to sneeze. You can keep talking. Okay. Oh, it went away. I was trying to respond, but it was like right on the verge there. Mm. Uh, that is a super long time to be in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Like he lived there for a year and a half, yes. right? Yeah. Well, a year and a couple months. Okay. But yes. Close yeah. enough. Over yeah. a year. Over a year. Yeah. D- because like, a, you know. Brain injury is still super serious. Super serious. Like, imagine what it was. In 1946. Like, seriously. Uh, yeah, and especially yeah. at a time when they didn't, like, really think about what um, damage to your frontal lobe meant or damage like that to your brain in general Well, he's meant. still alive. Yeah, we, uh, that's kind of what they went for. We the front part up. Yeah. So, Raymond was released from the hospital in March of 1946, and um, but he was obviously the, not the same Raymond as before. Raymond before was kind, courteous, friendly, ordinary. Now he was distant, moody, temperamental, rarely smiled, and rambled if he spoke. Yikes. So, yeah. Upon leaving the hospital, Raymond booked passage again to the United States, this time for Alabama. He arrived... Without injury, yeah, this steering time. clear of all hatch doors. <laughs> yeah, um, but as soon as he arrived in uh, Mobile, he decided to steal a large amount of clothes and items from the ship's storeroom and um, just take them with him. And they're all obviously marked, so they're easily recognizable as being someone else's shit. Yeah, yeah, because you know, it's... like you said, you said he took clothes and things. Clothes and some other items from the, the store. Um, so, like, he was saying, he goes on to say something about towels and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, stuff like that. Got it. Um, so, Raymond attempted to pass through customs with all of the material, but was immediately arrested for theft. And he offered no explanation, just stated, and this is a quote, I don't know. I can't think. I can't say why I did it. I just saw other men put a towel or two in their bag, so I thought I'd do the same. <laughs> <laughs> Only I couldn't seem to stop. Seemed seemed cool with like everyone. Yeah. Raymond served one year in federal prison in Tallahassee, Florida. And while he was there, he was cellmates with a Haitian man who was a follower of the ancient religion. And I believe it's Voodoo. To us, it's known as Voodoo. But they call it Voodoo. It, well, it's V-O-D-U-N. 
Oh, Voodoo. Okay, Voodoo? I was putting a G on the end. Oh yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that's apparently the that is Voodoo to us. So okay. that's what I'm gonna refer to it as because I can say that. And Stabbing little dolls and making potions and shit so it's interesting you say that i Ah. looked a little bit into voodoo because you know i always feel like we need to explain the history of the religion which voodoo is a religion oh is it yes i'm interested so like christianity voodoo is a religion of many traditions each and each group so denomination follows a different path which leads to the end the same end result there's different denominations of, of voodoo. voodoo so they have like united it? methodist voodoo <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we're more relaxed here you don't yeah. need to tuck your shirt in yes yeah, so they believe in a senior god who is remote and like basically unknowable he has authorized a lesser god to create the earth and all life but a battle between the two has led to the lesser um being temporarily banished all right they also honor hundreds of minor spirits there hundreds whole, of them yeah there was a whole list i did not write a single one but down. these are just like middies yeah spirits L- middies yeah shit's shit's okay okay so also like christians they believe in a supreme being um they have saint-like representatives people who lead led you know extra extraordinary lives um who have been given special like powers well attributions but yes powers (laughs) um they people that practice voodooism also believe voodooism i don't i'm just gonna say that's the word voodooism sure um they believe in an afterlife they also have a ritual sacrifice and consumption of flesh and blood which technically christians do through uh communion we might have to talk about this later <laughs> yes. I think I need to like get deeper into this, this now that I know it's so much more elaborate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they believe in evil spirits and demons. Uh, one last thing. People who practice this, they believe that each person has a soul which is comprised of two parts. So you have a soul comprised of two parts. I have a soul comprised of two parts. One of them is called the big guardian angel. And the other one is called the wiggle munch. Yes, and the also known as the little gu- guardian angel. So the wiggle munch okay. is the big guardian <laughs> angel. The grumpus is the little guardian angel. So big and little guardian angels. Yes. So the little guardian angel leaves the body during sleep. And um, it also, so it also if someone's possessed and they do, a, um, you know, a ritual or like a... Um, What's the fucking word? An exorcism? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, it leaves the body. At oh, that so time the little too. one dips while you're asleep. Pretty much. Or while there's an exorcism? Yes. It'll like get out so it it's can't not get getting out. Yeah. burned. Yeah. Um, that the, the problem with that is, is that leaves the big guardian angel unguarded and it, it can be damaged or captured by evil sorcery. So the bigger of the guardian uh, angel needs the little one to take care of him? Yes. Yeah. It's not guarded. That's the guard. That's the guard. And when that one dips while you're asleep, it fucked leaves up stuff the can other happen. one unguarded, so you are more um, prone or more susceptible. Susceptible. That's the word. <laughs> um, to being like uh, taken over by an evil spirit. So and the little one gets back and it's like, fuck, fuck man. Yeah, I just went out for. I was seriously candy. out. 20 yeah. seconds yeah <laughs> um piss. so sticking pins and dolls for cursing 
Yeah, guys. that's what I, I need to know that. That did happen, but only in a small group located in one area. And that's basically, that's more of a Hollywood concept. So that's like one little thing that like a handful of people did, but it's so easy just to be like, oh, vo- voodoo. It's such a good this uh, is what it is. visual representation for like, exactly. Oh, see, like I said it first thing. Exactly. Like, That's why I was like, oh, I'm glad you said that. Or what is the other shit? Voodun? Or something? V- v- what's V-O-D-U-N? So v- voodoo? Voodoo? I don't know. Voodoo? Voodoo? <laughs> so, um, anyway, back to Raymond and his cellmate voodoo woman named Phyllis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, a voodoo <laughs> woman named Phyllis. <laughs> Uh, this guy introduced the practice of voodoo to Raymond, um, which started his descent kind of into the occult and that evil sorcery and all that bullshit in general. Raymond soon grew convinced that voodoo gave him a secret power over women. Oh, yeah. And, Hell and yeah. It, yeah, it, this is definitely not the brain damage telling you this. No, no, this is... This is- <laughs> Voodoo 101. Yep. He said that his sexual powers were heightened when the energy gave him, uh, you know, the, I guess, gave him more of the energy through mojo. the practice. Gave him yeah. more mojo. Mojo. That's the word. So he leaned into the darker side of um, voodoo and he deepened his belief that he himself was a priest who obtained yeah. special powers from these spirits. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Raymond bragged to his friends that he could make love with women from a great distance just by placing <laughs> voodoo powders inside envelopes and mailing them to him. To the pr- people. To the women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So after. I can make love to a woman from a distance. Through an envelope with powder in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a... Uh, okay. Again, we'll talk about... I don't want to get off course. Oh, no, we, it's fine. We'll talk more about these long dick envelopes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Later. Um, after being released from prison, Raymond moved to Brooklyn where his sister was living. Uh, I did not get to find out a, a lot about the sister. Okay. Um, his parents were upset by his appearance. Not... Because of the fact that he had obvious brain damage and seemed to be a little off. They were upset because he had a scar on the top of his head. And by this point, he was basically bald. So he didn't have the nice, like, luscious hair that he had had before. So his parents were like... We hate you now. We don't like your head. You came home with the sick hair and you were jacked. Yeah. And now you have a... He has like it's like it has like an indent, right? Well, yeah, it's like a slight... It's not, not... terribly noticeable when he has hair covering it but, but now yeah, that there he doesn't is, have any hair it's it's definitely noticeable yeah um raymond uh so he basically just locked himself in his bedroom upon moving in and would stay for several days at a time complaining about painful headaches the whole time um raymond basically abandoned his wife and children who were Still back in Spain because Damn. remember he had the oh. accident that went to the hospital, then went to his sister's house. So, and did they not know anything? I mean, they knew that he had this accident. Oh, so they're yeah. but like they're not able to get 
over there? No, because he was supposed to send the he money was to help going them to get, get back. Yeah. So really, it's been years. Does he even way. know about them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Yeah, he does. He does. He he just doesn't. It's like what what else are you gonna do right now? And also, it's like it doesn't mean the same thing. He's like, you, do you know those people that you left? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. Like, well, really... do you know that you you like that's like your wife and yeah. you're like obligated to, to care of her and the kids? No, yeah. I'm not really picking up what you're yeah what you're saying. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have any uh like like oh my god, I need to get back to the yeah. feelings. No, not at all. Um, he spent most of his time during the uh, lock-ins of his bedroom um, writing to women that he found in the Lonely Hearts Club column of the newspaper. Do you know what that is? No. Okay, so in the newspaper during this time, you could write. Um, basically into, uh, you could write into, uh, or to an address that's in a newspaper clipping. And I have an ad that I'll read to you in a second. And, um, you could write and somebody else would write and you would eventually exchange correspondence. And it was called the lonely hearts. It was basically like, um, Craigslist, like, uh, what, um, uh, what is that shit called? Uh, shit. You know, we're not misconnections, misconnections. Yeah, it's like that um, for. Lonely but it was people. on the newspaper. It was in the newspaper. Yeah. And it was just kind Damn. of in every newspaper. So just in the area. You were at the diner. Yeah. Yellow dress. Looking sick. Yeah. Pancakes. Yeah. So this one, it just says it says lonely hearts at the top. And then it says, I have a sweetheart for you at the bottom. And it says, let us arrange a romantic correspondence for you. Meet your sweetheart through the foremost high class social correspondence club in the world, a club for refined, refined, lonely people, members, um, members everywhere, strictly confidential, efficient and dignified service. We have many thousands of lonely people. We have made thousands of lonely people happy. Why not you? Particulars free. <laughs> write today if sincere. And then it gives an address of where you can write to. Damn, yes. what a forward thinking idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very like, interesting. It's clever. Yeah. So he would write to women through this correspondence. Sweet. Um, uh, club, basically. So through this, he would, um, through the correspondence, so he would get to know them and kind of, you know, chit chat with them and find out who, what they're about and, and kind of make them feel comfortable. And then he would ask for a lock of hair or an earring or something personal. And he said that he had voodoo rituals that he could perform um, with these items, which would help strengthen his power. And he would, he was basically saying like, he was telling them like, Oh, I'll help you be less lonely. But he said that the, <laughs> that these items would help strengthen his power over them. Yeah. It'll help strengthen his power of hold it, like smelling the hair while he jerks off in the corner <laughs> of his cell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well he's out, he's out now. Remember he's oh, in his bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. So shit. the corner of his bedroom. Yeah, in the bedroom. Yeah. 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 Make sure you get that right. So, um, afterwards, however, these women, quote unquote, fell at Raymond's feet, consumed by the erotic sexual per persuasion that he apparently put out. So I guess think Austin Powers. Raw sexual magnetism. Yeah. Um, Raymond gained their trust and then would he would steal their money or jewelry when he met them and then ghost on them. Oh, damn. That's cold, player. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Raymond found a way to live without working. So it kind of was something he decided to keep doing and yeah. he did even more frequent. 
Um, he would spend months writing letters to numerous women, often several at the same time. In 1947, Raymond started um, speaking with a recently separated woman. Her name was Jan Lucilia Thomas, and she was very vulnerable, a.k.a. she will believe my shit and I'll be able to rob her. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, they corresponded by letter and she agreed to meet him in person in October. They bought cruise ships together. Now, are they sending photos and shit? Yes. She knows what he looks like? Yes. What's he, what's he, what does he have on hand? Like, like his, um, he probably has, uh, like, is, some, like mug, an army or something like, like his that. mugshot. Well, probably not his mug shot. I'm sure he went back to his like um, his like service. I keep forgetting that he's. Sorry, I'm spacing. No. I keep forgetting that he's out. I keep. I'm yeah, thinking because he's that's in a jail. whole different Raymond. Yeah, 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 the yeah, head yeah, injury. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yes. So it it could be something like um, probably his time in service or something oh, yeah. like that. Something good. Yeah, something good. Definitely something that does not look like. Hey, what happened to your head? Yeah. Looking um, sick with the. <laughs> With some Patrick Swayze hair. Yeah, definitely. So they, um, yeah, they corresponded by letter, and then she agreed to meet him. She bought them cruise tickets, um, and they took a trip to Spain. So Raymond and Jane traveled together. They booked hotel rooms as man and wife, because you know, kind of had to do that in the 1940s. Yeah, you don't want to have somebody look at you weird yeah yeah definitely they took in all the sites and activities that spain had to offer and eventually they make their way to la linala la anyway it's l-a-l-i-n-e-a suck it um that's where his wife and children lived so he finally makes his way back to where his family is his wife who he's not divorced yet by the way he just abandoned and he's got this new woman with him i, I wish i knew what was going on in his head towards his old family yeah like it could just it I mean it really could be like i don't i don't really know you people i remember that i used to hang out with you yeah, but i don't, I don't besides really that i yeah. don't really know anything yeah Raymond introduced the two women, and the three went out to dinner. Um, this was repeated over the next couple of days, and things seemed to be going well until November 7th when there was some form of disagreement that escalated into a fight. We don't really know many details, but we know that Raymond is seen running out of the hotel room later that night, and the next morning, Jan's body is found in the room. Oh. Her body was removed from the room, Buried without examination or autopsy, and Raymond leaves town. Sorry, I hit the table. <laughs> Raymond leaves town, and E, his wife, uh, you know, and the children, yeah, e. never, never really see him again. Oh, yeah. Okay, so how from when he left to that point? How long was that? You mean from when he left on the trip? So he's like, I'm, I'm uh, before the head injury when he's like, I'm gonna go over here and make some money. And oh, then... it's been like a year and a half. Okay, so it's he was been in a the, while. Yeah, he was. In and the then hospital. he just shows up for a like a month or something. Yeah. Okay. Because mm -hmm. he was gone. He was in the hospital for a year and some change. And then he got out, and then it was probably like two years since she, since he had left the war. Yeah. So it's actually probably been like three years at least since she's seen him. Damn. 
So at this point, he shows up with another woman. She's like, okay. They kind of get along, and then somehow something happens. He dips out of town, and the girl he's with ends up dead in the hotel room that they were in. Yeah. So Raymond books passage on a boat to the U.S. again. He shows up at Jan's old apartment in New York City where her elderly mother is living. So she lived there with her mother, and he shows up at the apartment, and he has a will in hand with his uh with her signature saying that he gets everything and it's like that seems forged but it was granted by the judge that he gets possession of the apartments and all the furnishing and he gets to kick the mom out damn yep so (laughs) yeah During the entire trip, Raymond continues to correspond with several other women, one of which was a woman named Martha uh, Seabrook Beck. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. But before we do that, um, so yeah, Raymond the entire time. So even though he was on the trip to Spain for the month before he killed the, the woman down in Spain and then came back. The whole time he's corresponding with other women. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So he was talking to a gang on there. Gang. You got to keep up your pen pal. It's like uh, um, Marty in Greece. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's like, she has so many that she writes to. and <laughs> Hopelessly devoted. Yeah. Yep. So Martha is, again, one of the women that Raymond um, wrote to. She is a main player, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about her background. She's five years younger than Raymond. She was born on May 6, 1920 in Milton, Florida. As a child, she had a glandular problem, which caused her to mature faster than most. And by the age of 10, she had a woman's body and the sex drive to go with it. By 10? Yes. That is fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, that also, the glandular problem also caused her to be obese. And so she suffered ridicule from her classmates and from her mother because her mother was like, well, you're really hoary. And your your classmates are like, and you're fat. So nobody wants to sleep with you. Yeah. So kind of uh, a lot of shaming going on in her life. Um, Her mother was also domineering and kind of bullied her into everything. Um, And kind of, you know, if she didn't wear something that her mother liked, it was just like she just kind of ridiculed her until she changed that type thing. Martha also claimed that her brother raped her at an early age, and then she had informed her mother of the incident. On the, of the incident, and when that happened, the mother placed blame on Martha, and she received the punishment. Damn, this poor girl. Yes, she also claimed that another incestuous relationship left her pregnant, but ultimately the birth the birth never occurred and i couldn't get confirmation of like what happened so i don't know if that's an alleged story yeah at this point that's what she said happened so we'll go with that her mother kept a close eye on her in a short leash and if a boy showed any interest in martha her mother would chase him away with insults and threats so making you know a really really tough um life for her because she can't just like freely have people around her yeah yeah at the age of 16 in 1936 martha was friends with two younger friends who lived in the neighborhood two younger children 
that's the word, <laughs> who lived in the neighborhood, a 10-year-old named Harper Lee and a 12-year-old named Truman Capote. Whoa. Yep. Really? Yes. Yes. Very interesting uh, turn of events in this story that As I was like, oh, that's they were kids so they were children she was 16 um harper was 10 and truman was 12 when they were friends they lived across the street from each other damn that's interesting <clears throat> yeah so they were all friends and one day martha um she was complaining to them about life at home and she decided to run away and truman's like i'll go with you so her and truman capote run away from home um they get to the next city before they and try to get a hotel room before the clerk Calls the authorities and reports them, you know, for hitchhiking. Like, just basically being children. Being kids. Yeah. So, she was returned home. Um, Martha continued to be the butt of jokes from classmates throughout high school. She was uh, reclusive, withdrawn, and basically had no friends her own age. After school, she pursued a nursing education and graduated in 1942 at the age of 22. But her parents, her appearance hindered her basically from getting employment. Well, it was a time, 1942, it was a time where it was like, well, we don't want a fat nurse. Damn, was she huge? We want a pretty nurse. She was like 250 pounds. Okay. Okay. In the 40s? In the 40s. So, damn. Yeah. Damn, this poor girl. Yeah. Poor woman. Yes. So, she was basically forced to take the only job offered to her, working for a mortician at the local funeral home preparing the female bodies. So, she's... Just the female bodies. Yeah, yeah. So, she's like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis from My Girl, but just for the female bodies. Dan Aykroyd. Well, he's the mortician. She comes in to do the makeup for the bodies. Oh, she's doing the makeup. Yeah, that's what Jamie Lee Curtis, that's how she gets involved. Damn. She in the, just in the second one? She's in the first one. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Got it. Um, so eventually Martha's, she was kind of um, found some, like, you know, she found some stability and kind of liked having uh the company of bodies and people who won't ridicule or insult her so she just kind of got used to like not having living people around she enjoys the dead people around her a little bit um but she only did this for a short period of time before she became desperate for a new life and she moved to california she got a job at an army hospital working as a nurse um at night she would go out drinking that sentence was at night she would go out drinking (laughs) and she would pick up soldiers who were on leave and were you know down 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 Um, most of the time she had sex with them and once it resulted in a pregnancy the father however had zero interest in the situation and when he heard he was she was pregnant he even went as far is trying to commit suicide by throwing himself into a river. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, still, Martha tried to get him to marry her until she realized he would rather die than marry her. <laughs> and she was like, okay, I guess I'm out. And she returned home to Florida, but she needed an explanation for the pregnancy. So she said she met and married a Navy officer who was currently in the Pacific and she even went and bought a wedding ring, so she had evidence. Oh, and then she can always just say that he died. 
that's exactly what happened. She told everyone he would be there shortly and they'd all get to meet him, but he never showed up. But what did was a telegram, she sent herself, uh, announcing that her husband was quote-unquote killed in action. Martha was described as hysterical when she received the news, and everyone gave their support, and it was the talk of the town with her receiving a lot of attention and sympathy. So, and I wonder when they were like, "Well, who was he?" and like, "What was he like?" Yeah, and like I wonder who, She's too, like too his tough. name and shit. Yeah, I don't, I couldn't. I, the name was never given. Yeah, she just yeah. made something up, made yeah. this like super dope ass. Like, Did dude you say up. this guy yesterday? Um, she gave birth to a daughter, Willa Dean, in spring of 1944. That fall, she met a bus driver named Alfred Beck and was quickly pregnant again. She met a bus driver. Yes. And became yes. pregnant again. By yes. the bus driver. Yes. Um, Alfred married Martha, uh, probably more out of the pregnancy fact than the like, oh, I really like you fact. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> within six months of the marriage, they were divorced and Martha gave birth and she was quickly a single mother with two children and then she lost her job. Oh. Yeah, because I'm sure they were like, oh, two kids. So when, did you say when the first kid was born? Yeah. Maybe I missed that. Or obviously I missed that. You obviously missed it. I mean, I know you said, she, uh, so that was the, so how much older was that kid than the other one? Um, how far so apart she are gave, they? <clears throat> she gave birth to the first child in spring of 1944. And then the second child she um, had, from what I can, uh, I didn't get a definite time, but sometime in 1940, early 1946. Okay. Because she was pregnant. She had the first one in spring 1946, and by that fall, she was pregnant again. So she has like a toddler, baby toddler, and a newborn. Yeah. And she has no job? No job. All right. Yep. So with no income and little to be happy about, she, Martha, slips into a fantasy world, starts reading romance novels, watching TV movies like um, Confidential Agent and Gaslight. Do you know what either one of those are? I've heard of Gaslight. Gaslight has um, um, Ingrid Bergman in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's... So both of those featured Martha's favorite guy, this guy named Charles Boyer. You can look him up. <laughs> she read confidential, um, excuse me, confessional style magazines. All the while, she hoped to find a man who would save her from all her bullshit. Uh, in early 1946, Martha gets a job at the um, hospital for children in town. She's a good nurse, and she takes the position very seriously. She stated, I chose this profession without thought of self and wanted to prepare myself for this profession, not for material gains, but the, for the purposes of aiding humanity and rendering service to others. AKA, I'm not in it for the money. I'm here to help people. Which is a good thing. All right. Yep. By the end of her first year, she received a promotion and was eventually given the position of nurse superintendent of the hospital. But none of that helped her depression. She wanted a man, and that was pretty much what was going to help her. That's so, it. Yep. So one day, a coworker played a joke on her and sent Martha an ad in the mail to join the Lonely Hearts Club. 
She cried when she received it, because that's a pretty cool joke. That's cold, baby. It's cold. Uh, And she said it was a day that she would never forget, but Martha decided to show them and place an ad anyway. In the ad, she described herself somewhat, but left out the weight issue and the two children. You know, (sighs) two kind of sticking points. Every day after work, Martha would return home to check the mailbox, waiting on a return letter. Right before Christmas in 1947, Martha received her first letter and her what would be her only letter uh, from Raymond. Boom. Yep. He said he was successful, a well-respected businessman who imported and exported trade. Uh, I especially love the fact that you do not have two kids. Yes. <laughs> I love the not two kids. I love how you mentioned that. He said he was a Spaniard who had recently come to the U.S. for better opportunities Raymond told her that he lived alone and the apartment was much too large for a bachelor and that one day he hoped to share it with a wife. He said he knew she was a nurse and felt it was because she had a full heart with a great capacity for comfort and love. Martha basically was in love from the get-go of their correspondence. She carried the first letter she received from him with her everywhere and just kind of read it when she got bored so the way people pull out their cell phones and look yeah. at like instagram now she would just read this letter or you look at a text that you're trying to analyze like let me just look at that again let me read it one more time yeah like, let me read it one more time so what does it sound like to you she sounds like she missed you yeah she missed, she missed you <laughs> yeah uh yeah exactly it's like when i like send an email and i'm like let me let me read that let me make read sure that i was like make sure like make sure i wasn't think- too sh- what I think Shitty. this is dumb yeah. to be reading. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she carried the letter and read it all the time. And then she bought expensive stationery and started a two-week correspondence with Raymond, um, exchanging dozens of letters and pictures. Now, the pictures. She sent group pictures of all of the nurses. Oh, and she was like, yes. And she was kind of partially hidden. So she was like very vague of like which one she was in that part of the picture. Yeah. Um. So she apologized and said that the pictures, quote unquote, didn't do her justice. Yes. Okay. So Raymond. I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. Um. The thing that we know about Ra- Raymond, though, is he's up. He's trying to scam people, so he doesn't really give a fuck what she looks like. Yeah. Right? Which one are you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely sure. going to take your shit. He had zero preference on who he ripped off. He assumed she had money because she was a nurse, and that's kind of all he needed. He asked for a lock of her hair, which she was thrilled to provide. Oh, yeah. I'd love to do that. Lo- love I would love to. Here. Sure. Just take it. Um, Raymond, uh, he arranged a trip to see Martha. He took a train to Florida, and Martha met her... <laughs> met him at the station he arrived on december 28th 1947 and was a bit surprised by her size i'll be like you're huge well your head has like a dent in it <laughs> exactly oh, well, exactly okay you want to hang out <clears throat> but he didn't give any outward signs of disapproval and she was thrilled raymond was handsome and everything that martha had been looking for they went home raymond met her children had dinner and then put the children to the bed. the children that she did not Disclose. oh well, they talked they talked a bunch more though so he, yeah he, he knew about the children she probably brought at this up. point yeah. yeah so they hang out they have dinner Meets they the put kids. the kids to bed and then they bang 
Oh. Yes. Slides. 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 Slippity slide. <laughs> uh, so that night, that night, the next day, and the second night, they have sex several times. And Martha swears her undying love for Raymond and asks him to stay in Florida and marry her. He says, well, I... I have business in New York City, and I I don't really want to leave, but I have to. What I'll do is I'll go, I'll do my business, and then I'll send money, and you can come join me. So he goes home, and she goes around town and tells everyone she's getting married again. Her friends and family prepare a wedding shower. (laughs) Damn. And she's ecstatic. On the day of the wedding shower, she receives a letter from Raymond and he says, uh, hold up, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I heard a rumor uh, that you think we're getting married. I think you misunderstood my feelings for you. I'm not going to be returning to Florida to marry you. I'm not going to be sending money for you to come join me in New York City. Um, so, okay, bye. Have fun at that party you just set yeah. up. So that night she attempted suicide. Oof. Um, and after hearing that, Raymond agreed, fine, come to New York City and we'll talk about it in person. Really? Mm-hmm. What, she she wrote him a letter saying that she tried to kill herself? I think somebody else did. Uh. Yeah. Um, she spent 12 days with Raymond in New York City. And after returning, she was immediately fired by the hospital for obvious uh, reasons. Dipping for... <laughs> No, no call, no show. Yeah, yeah. They refused to give her a reason. She thought it was because of the relationship and moved on. She picked up the last paycheck and went home to pack. And then she got on a bus and headed back to New York with her children. It did not call him. Just come Just, on. I hear, we're I, getting back on the bus. I hear good things. Yeah, I hear good things. So on the morning of January 18th, 1948, Raymond... Puts down his coffee, gets up, opens his front door to find Martha and two children standing on his front steps. He's taken back by this a little bit, but he lets them in. And uh, he doesn't really hate having, well, at least he doesn't hate having Martha around. She caters to his every need. She makes his bed. She cooks for him. She has sex with him. Probably hating those kids. Fucking hates the kids and they got to go. Hating those kids. Hating the kids. Hating the kids. Hate the children. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So on January 25th, Martha takes the children to the Salvation Army and abandons them. What? Yes. Just leaves the kids and heads back to Raymond's. Some Joe Dirt shit. Yes. Are you kidding me? Nope. She does it. She does it. She drops them off at the Salvation Army and heads back. Damn, you're super cold. Yeah. Once the kids are gone, everything's perfect for Martha and Raymond. And that's when he lets her in on his little schemes. Because he's like, well, you're going to be around and I kind of like you. So I don't want to do it behind your back. So let me kind of let you know what I'm in on. Because you were originally a victim, but now I want you to be my sidekick. Sick. Yeah. So uh, when he tells her about everything, Martha's not phased. She's in love with him. And she says, okay, well, I'm your, I'm your girl. Uh, y'all, I always be a girl. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, um, of course she's game. She just dropped her kids off forever. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I'll do pretty anything? much anything at this yeah. point. Yep. So moving forward, they had plans. Uh, they made plans for their victims and they, um, you know, kind of pulled the same thing that he, he was going to pull on her where he corresponded. 
he she showed up. Oh, they were doing it together. Um, sort of. Like, she wait, was kind you, of like helping. Did you originally try this shit on me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But she was okay with it. Cause she I'm was cool kind of it. like, sure, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, that's when they found Miss es- Esther Hen. She was from Southern Pennsylvania. They traveled to see her, and Martha pretended to be Raymond's sister-in-law. Within a week, Raymond married Esther in a county clerk's office in Fairfax, Virginia. So he charmed her. Within a week? Uh-huh, and got married. And then all three, so Raymond, his new wife Esther, and his quote-unquote sister-in-law, uh, Martha, head back to New York City. And Esther said, and this is a quote from her, for four days, Raymond was very polite to me. Then he gave me tongue lashings when I wouldn't sign over my insurance policies and my teacher's pensions fund, and things went down from there, uh, downhill from there. I began to hear stories about how he went to Spain with a woman, and she died. A day later, um, Esther left the apartment, minus her car, and a couple hundred dollars. So she just gave up the shit and got out. She was like, I will not be dying for this bullshit. So this happened to several other women, including two different women named Myrtle. Oh. Yeah. One, Myrtle, uh, agreed to marry him in in Cook County, Illinois, on August 14th, 1948, with Martha posing as Raymond's sister. Um, She did everything in her power to make sure that they did not consummate the marriage consummate like bunnies um she well obviously she didn't want them to fuck in general but also they didn't want to consummate the marriage because it's easier to get rid of it um and she slept in the same bed as the newlyweds to prevent it that's how what? far she went yes what yes eventually myrtle's like can i please fuck him without you being around yes i fucked yes i fucked him i fucked him um so she just posted up in the middle like a big dog. Yep, pretty much. Really, really. That yeah. really happened. Yeah, really happened. And eventually Raymond then just drugged Myrtle um, with a heavy dose of whatever kind of drug he had. And she fell unconscious. Raymond and Martha carried Myrtle onto a bus and then sent her back to Little Rock, Arkansas uh, without $4,000 in cash that she had on her. Oh, why did she have so much fucking money on her? Um, I think because the he probably had told her to like withdraw it so that they could go like on a trip or something. <sighs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. So the next day, um, so she's taken to the hospital and she dies the next day from the drug overdose. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they that's have a ton of money back then too. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. a ton. So Martha and Raymond travel. They meet other women um, that Raymond's been corresponding with. They manage to steal some money, but nothing too. Are they just going down a list? Yes. Any any woman that's corresponding with him that he can get like an address of and <laughs> yeah. confirmation that he can. He show has up. been seriously chopping it up with these chicks. Oh, they yeah. have a they got a fat list. Yeah, definitely. Um, so they returned to New York City and began to scheme again on what they could do. They had another potential hit in New England, but she ended up being too young and Martha was like, no, 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 no. I don't, you can't have sex with that one. Really? Yeah, she's jealous. She's jealous. Yeah. Meanwhile, they had less and less money and neither had a real job and were not trying to have a real job. And eventually... Um, they came across a woman named Janet Fay, who was a 66-year-old widow from 
Albany, New York. Janet had a spacious apartment in downtown Albany and Money in the Bank. She wrote letters to the Lonely Hearts Club, despite warnings from friends and family about scams and just, you know, how dangerous it could be in general. And she, but she was a religious woman who attended Catholic church uh, masses every Sunday and just kind of generally trusted people. Mm -hmm. She began corresponding with a man she knew is Charles Martin, who we know is Raymond. Um, once he found out about how religious she was, what are you laughing at? Charles Martin here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, once she found out, once he found out how religious she was, Raymond began writing about God and religion. And after a couple weeks, he had persuaded Janet to allow him to come visit her right before New Year's Day. On December 30th, Raymond and Martha show up in Albany. They check into a hotel under married name, and then they go see Janet the next day with flowers and spend the day talking and discussing religion. Raymond introduced Martha as his sister, and he said, oh, we just kind of do everything together. She wanted to come see Albany, so that's why she's here. Janet allowed them to sleep at her place, and soon... Raymond did his little charm, you know, let me get in here and try to make my way into your panties. Turn my swag on. Yeah. And um, within a week or two, he proposed to Janet uh, and we, she accepted. Damn, it's like, where were all these women for like Michael Scott after yeah. like proposing <laughs> after like a week or two? Exactly. Exactly. We've been, we've been on four dates. <laughs> <laughs> so the betrothed couple made plans to move to Long Island, and during the first week of January 1949, Janet cleaned out her bank accounts, accumulating around $6,000. Damn, she's sitting on some bread. Yep. On the 4th, they drove to Long Island, arrived at an apartment, ate, and went to bed for the night. Well, Raymond went to bed. Janet and Martha stayed up, because of course Martha is there, always. We don't know exactly what happened, but Martha, who has said several different stories, but she's always just quoted as saying one thing. She said, I was burning up with jealousy and anger. Um, all we know is that she said that she found Raymond and Janet naked in bed together. The sight was too much. Martha um, said that Janet became angry and told Martha that she didn't want her to live with them once they were married. And then called Martha the most brazen bitch that she's ever seen. <laughs> Raymond um, heard them arguing, come out to see what the issue was, finally turned to Martha and allegedly Martha said to him, keep this woman quiet. Or he said to Martha, he said, keep this woman quiet. I don't care what you do. Just make sure she's quiet. So Martha said she took a cue from that, but then she blacked out and doesn't remember what happened. Oh, that's convenient. Yes, isn't it? All she know, all we know, is that Raymond was shaking her, and she wakes up to find Janet's body laying on the floor, bleeding from a severe head wound. Yikes! Janet was bludgeoned with a ball peen hammer. Damn! Until she was unconscious, and then garroted with a scarf. So Martha said, well, she was in a trance that night and doesn't remember what happened. What she did is clean up the room with Raymond. Then they wrapped Janet's body in towels and sheets and then pushed her into the closet before going to bed for the night. Just in the closet. Yep. The next morning, they bought a large trunk, put her body inside, drove to Raymond's actual sister's house, 
you know, because Martha's been posing as his sister, um, and asked the sister to store the trunk in the basement for now. Eleven days later, he comes back, gets the trunk from his sister's house. Eleven days. Yes. Eleven days she's had this thing in her house. Yes. And then he buries it in the cellar of a rented house and covers it with cement. Um, And then over the next week, he and Martha cash checks in Janet's name and then write letters to her family and friends saying stuff like, I'm so excited. I'm having the time of my life. I've never been this happy. I'll soon be Mrs. Martin and I'll go to Florida. The problem is they they typed all of these letters because, of course, they can't forge her handwriting. Yeah. The mistake is, is that Janet doesn't have a typewriter and she doesn't know how to use one. I mean, you could peck. Yeah, but she's but on a like, trip. And, and even like if you don't know how to use it at all, even loading it and shit. No, and she was more apt to write a letter. Yeah. It was just unusual. So um, when they got these letters, the friends and family immediately went to the police and they were like, something's up. You need to go check. Something's up. I know this chick does not is not capable of learning how to use a typewriter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, I think simply it was just that in that time period. She's just not the typewriter type. Well, that, and would you just have a typewriter around in 1950, 1949, 1950? I don't know. Um, so Raymond and Martha left. They go to Michigan, and they spend the next few weeks corresponding with a young widower named Delphine Downing, who was 41. She had a two-year-old named Raynell. <clears throat> Delphine was excited to meet who she knew as Charles, and was completely fine with the fact he was bringing his sister along. Always with the sister. Yep. They met in late January 1949, and Delphine was in love from moment one. Before the month was out, the two were having sex, which created a little issue between Raymond and his quote-unquote sister, Martha. (laughs) But, um... It didn't matter because eventually Delphine found out about Raymond's dirty little secret. Not Martha. His toupee. Ooh. And she was disgusted by it. Ooh. I'm not kidding. And and I, I think about how bad it looked even when she was being fooled. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you, ju- oh, you just figured that out. You just figured that out. Yeah. You sneezed and it... Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it came... Like, <laughs> Um, so she accused him of being a fraud and trying to charm her, but it didn't work. Eventually, Martha convinced Delphine to take sleeping pills to help her calm down. And when Delphine fell asleep, uh, Raynell began to cry, I guess, because maybe she sensed that something was going on with her mother. Um, Martha became infuriated by the child's cries and grabbed her by the neck and then choked her unconscious. Oh. And uh, left, like, some bruising on her neck or whatever. Um, Then Martha told Raymond he had to do something. Raymond goes into the bedroom, finds a handgun, wraps the pistol in a blanket before placing the muzzle next to Delphine's head, pulls the trigger, kills her. All the time, Raynell is in the room, and by this point, she's awake and watching, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Martha and Raymond then wrap Delphine's body in sheets, carry her to the basement where they dig a hole and dump her body in it before covering her with cement. Cement. Dude, that's like, that's their move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Over the next day, they plan their escape and cash checks in Delphine's name, loot at the house of all valuables and try to pawn them. The entire time, Raynell 
was there crying. Um, she refused to eat because, you know, they weren't really taking care of her. The couple decided that they need to get rid of the child. So they filled a metal tub to the brim with water and Martha then held Raynell underwater until she drowned. Oh my God. They then buried her in a grave next to her mother, covered the body with semen as well. That is depressing. Very depressing. This time, Raymond and Martha didn't leave so quickly. Instead of leaving town immediately, they went to the movies. Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Afterwards, they returned to pack their bags. So they returned to Delphine's house to pack their bags. When a knock came to the door and Raymond opened to two officers. Uh Uh-oh. Who were responding about a suspicious call from the neighbors. So, Martha and Raymond are arrested on February 28th in question. Neither asked for an attorney, nor did they avoid questioning. Raymond, in fact, said, I'm not an average killer, and told them the entire story. Then he signed a 73-page confession, and was it, he said that um, he would do all of that as long as they weren't turned over to the New York police. And that was because Michigan did not have the death penalty, whereas New York did. <laughs> And they know this. Yes. If they told the truth, Raymond could get out of prison in six years with good behavior. How? Because of just the time and the the uh, time and the fact that he's only getting charged with the murder of Delphine and Raynell. Um, and it could be like a like passionate thing they could spin it in a different way it's yeah it's 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 bullshit it is bullshit well that's okay so page one of the new york times picked up the story well new york times picked up the story and on their page one they put out a headline that read lonely hearts murder trap murders trap pair body dug up here and he said it's it said that the lonely hearts murder after that became national news and that's when um Of course, the headlines deemed Martha and Raymond guilty already and demanded that they do get the death penalty, extradite them to New York. We want them charged on Janet's death. Oh, that didn't work for you. (laughs) It also, because it became national news, brought back um, some uh, um, fat shaming and insults towards Martha. Like, you know. Just calling her names and being like, how could you do this Oh, because everyone's super hates yeah hates her now yeah super hates her now so the public wanted them to die they pressured authorities to make this happen and so michigan and new york worked out a deal we'll just drop the charges for delphine and her daughter if you guys just take uh you just take them and then you can charge them for janet's murder and new york's like yeah yeah we got that damn okay cool they are really fucking them oh yeah i mean they deserve it but Mm like yeah, they're definitely. not letting that shit slide Exa- well, oh let's like we'll just it we'll admit it here exactly on the safer side the safer side all in all um authorities believe that martha and raymond committed at least 17 murders but they deny all except these three 17 17 yes damn and we'll pretty much never know exactly everything um they they believe that they committed this in a three-year period uh, excuse me, two-year period between 1947 and 1949. Raymond eventually retracted the only confessions he did make, and he said that he had said them because he was trying to save Martha from, um, you know, really harsh. He was basically saying she killed Janet and she killed Delphine and, mm-hmm. and the baby. 
Uh, but either way, they were both convicted of Janet's murder and sentenced to death because, you know. No shit. Yeah. On March 8th, 1951, both Raymond and Martha, so the same day, were executed in the electric chair. Oh, really? The same day? Same day. Um, so the last words for the pair, Raymond's last words was, I love this. I want to shout it out. I want to give a shout out. Uh, I want to shout it out. I love Martha. What does the public know about love? And Martha's last words were, my story is a love story, but only those tortured by love can know what I mean. I'm not unfeeling stupid or moronic. I'm a woman who has a great love and always will have it. And Oh, and always will have it. Imprisonment in the death house has only strengthened my feelings for Raymond. Oh, so she like wrote something to say. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's the uh, tale of the Lonely Hearts Club. I feel like I've kind of heard of that. Um, I know that there is a movie, a movie. Um, I know that there was a movie. Oh, on came, this? Yeah. Um, I How meant old? to look up what it what it was. Hang on. Is it, would it be called a movie? Would it be called that? I feel like the Lonely Hearts Club. Is that, that's what it was? No. 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 Um, well, it's probably because it's just Sergeant Peppers. What? Sergeant Peppers Lonely Heart Club. Oh, that's probably what I was thinking of. But there is a movie about this. Um, Lonely Heart Club. Club. Stand by for the Murder. movie. Movie. Yes. Because, well, damn, I guess they don't really, they would have to make a lot of shit up. But Lonely Hearts. 17, if they think that's like. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jared Leto. Hmm. Oh, well. Selma hmm. Hayek. Jared mm-hmm. Leto. Oh, John Travolta. And it's based on this? James Gandolfini's in it. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Hard hitting. Um, It's 2006 Lonely Hearts. <clears throat> written by Todd Robinson. It's the true story of the um, notorious Lonely Hearts killer spree killing of the 1940s. Well, there you go. Yeesh. Damn. Yeah, we'll have to watch that. John Travolta. Is it like a is it like a straight to Redbox movie or was it a real movie? Um. Because I could, you know, with John Travolta. Well, it's got other good people in it. It was a real movie. James Gandolfini's pretty badass. Selma Hayek, it sweet. <laughs> who was the first person? Oh, uh, Jared, Jared Leto. Leto. Jared Leto. It's Jared Leto. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was available on Clickstar On Demand shortly after its domestic release. So, yeah, I guess it was straight. So. Yeah. You know those yeah. Clickstar on demand movies yeah so the on, only the most popular yeah so uh either Whatever, way i'm gonna watch it anyway still gonna watch it now that so. uh now that you've told me everything that's good with that whole situation yeah so i really want to watch it yeah fucks with travolta even weird fat older travolta yeah still exactly like him. and uh i'm gonna go to manhattan <laughs> i'm gonna be a star a star um he's a stock boy stock boy uh yeah so anyway that's the story <laughs> All right, um, go watch that movie. Yes. Yes. Anything else? I don't know. I was trying to think if I had something in closing. In closing. In conclusion. What is today? The 14th of September? Well, today's the 15th, so tomorrow oh, will be the, the 16th. Oh, today's the 15th. Shit, okay. Yeah. Nope, I got nothing for this moment. Okay. 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 <laughs> well, the social media is uh, Murdup Podcast on Twitter, 
Instagram and Facebook. The email address is murderpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, there that is. Again, what was it? Lonely Hearts? Just called Lonely, Lonely Hearts. Hearts. Lonely Hearts. 2006. Fat, probably fat-ish John Travolta. Yes. Check that shit out. Yay. We definitely need to watch it. Yeah, definitely. And um, maybe if we find it soon enough, we'll, we'll talk about it on the next one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll be like, damn, that movie was a piece that of shit. That movie was bad. Was bad. Yeah. All right, folks. Have a uh, have a good week. Yeah, we'll see you soon. See you later. Bye.